Welcome to Sourcing Journal Radio, our weekly check-in with apparel insiders and thought leaders, which spotlights a variety of topics currently driving change in the market. This podcast series is made possible by Cotton Incorporated, a not-for-profit company funded by U.S. cotton producers and importers whose mission is to increase the demand and profitability of cotton. Discover what cotton can do. On today's episode, we will be speaking with Amy Leverton, the founder of Denim Dudes. Since 2003, Amy has been working in the denim industry as a designer, trend forecaster, and consultant. Following stints at WGSN and StyleSite, Amy has become a creative collaborator with companies like Tanello and Cordora and consulted for Levi's and Vivian Westwood. She is a fixture at the Kingpin's trade shows where she shares next year's trends to an always packed room. Amy is also the mastermind behind two widely popular books in the denim industry that document denim head fashion, Denim Dudes and Denim, Street Style, Vintage, Obsession. And it's for these reasons that Amy was named one of Rivet's 50 most influential people in denim. Amy, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks, Eddie. So, Amy, what are some of the key denim themes you see coming for 2020? Ah, the big question. Um, well, I mean, we obviously work on a number of different projects for a number of different people. And um, what we do with, say, Kingpins is much more kind of like trend fashion led to say something that I would do with Levi's, which is a bit more culture led. Um, but also, I mean, culture always sort of trickles down to the fashion. Um, you know, it's always the way. Um, I would say, you know, what was something that we did notice um, coming in, at the beginning of the spring-summer 2002 season um, that we worked on for last season, um, was this, obviously there's been this real resurgence in health and well-being uh, as a kind of luxury, you know. Um, that's been something that we've talked about for a while now. What's been interesting lately, I've noticed, is this kind of return to psychedelia. Uh, it's come from California mostly, the fact that uh, weed is legalized here and a lot of people are using things like CBD oil um, as a kind of uh, a, a form of medication, a form of you know anti-anxiety, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it all really has um, a lot to do with sort of men mental health and mental well-being. Um, what's been interesting is how that sort of trickles down and influences fashion. Uh, we've seen on the runway a lot of a return of kind of like this, uh, you know, a lot of tie-dye, a lot of kind of like festival hippie looks. Um, from brands like R13, especially. Um, and this very kind of like, yeah, it's like a it's like a modern bohemian look. What's been really interesting is obviously streetwear is such a big influence at the moment. It's really interesting seeing this uh, look translated um, on, you know, on the streetwear scene. Um, you know, Travis Scott's last album, for instance, the album cover is super kind of hippie. It's like reminds me of like Glastonbury in the 90s. Um, and, uh, you know, influences like, uh, this dude called Greg Dashen, who has a really, really cool brand called Camp High Collective. You know, it's got like the smileys, it's got the kind of tie dye, you know, it's got this like neo hippie look, but it's much more kind of streetwear driven, um, than say something that we would have, uh, explored in, in the nineties and obviously again in the seventies. Um, so that's, that's been a really, really big driving force. And, um, it's interesting as well. 
seeing it, there's kind of two different markets that it's tapping. It's, it's like one is this young streetwear kind of uh, look. And then the other market is the slightly more grown up market. Um, obviously, it's interesting seeing millennials grow up. They were our focus for a long, long time um, as far as fashion trends were concerned and consumer behavior and attitudes and all of that stuff. And what's been really interesting is watching these kids sort of grow up a little. There's, there's this... Um, there's a store in um, in Silver Lake, really near me, uh, and uh, it's called County Limited. And uh, the guy who owns that was sort of, he was a little bit more into his heritage at the time because obviously heritage was trending really, really hard. But he was like a skater dude. Um, and he's obviously, he's getting older. He's bought, he's started this um, store maybe about four or five years ago. And it's all like super high-end niche Japanese, like pottery and crockery and amazingly like rare furniture. So, um, so the other direction that this sort of like much more um, hippie-esque um, weed culture um, uh, story has sort of fed into is uh, this, you know, I guess, post-millennial story, which is, uh, you know, very beautiful uh, high-end magazines, really beautiful boutiques, but it has that kind of like skate street uh, attitude and silhouette, um, and and yet the, the fabrics are really refined, and so tie-dye is like muted and pastel-coloured, and um, so there, I would say they're two like, I mean, we, we have a bunch of um, themes each season, and like I say, working with different brands um, conjures up different, um, you know, bits of research and reference, but they're really, really key uh, stories that we started the year with. Um, and now we're kind of working into like full winter 20 now and uh, we're seeing a really nice story. One of the, my most um, favorite stories of the season, I'd say, for autumn winter uh, 2020 is a very Generation Z friendly um, story where workwear um, brands like Carhartt, Dickies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and all American gear, you know, like looking at hunting, shooting, fishing and looking at brands that were really big in sort of the 80s, um, like Ralph Lauren, etc. And seeing how Generation Z are kind of like tapping all of those brands again. And what I love about it, like the, the interesting thing to me is the uniform is kind of baby boomer, right? It's like the, you know, the workwear is obviously like the more kind of like blue collar worker um a group of uh, people, but, uh, you know, the Ralph Lauren stuff, it's very much like the baby boomer era. They're sort of like in their 60s, 70s, 80s now. Um, and it's it's really interesting seeing Generation Z tapping that look, tapping those silhouettes, those garments, and then taking ownership of them um, and, and wearing them in new ways and styling them in new ways and designing them in new ways. Uh, so that's been really in interesting to, to me and... Um, uh, for a really good example of that is Skate Brand Palace. Um, I've recently done a collaboration with uh, Ralph Lauren. And that lookbook is so beautifully done. It's so awesome. Um, but, you know, the actual garments are uh, streetwear versions of Ralphie back in, you know, back in the 80s, which is really funny to me. Um, it's kind of what my parents say would have been wearing in the 80s, um, worn in a different way. So there's tons of stuff. But, uh, yeah, there are a couple of the things that I'm into. So you know, I definitely agree. We're seeing we're seeing vintage design really 
uh, come back in a major way. And one of those, one of the fashion trends we're seeing is this resurgence of of, of the '90s. I mean, you mentioned that you know a couple minutes ago. You know, how long do you think the current this this the, this nostalgic trend will continue? Uh, well, it's a funny one actually because I've been thinking about a nostalgia a lot. I mean, we we kind of started coining this sort of nostalgia thing. I guess maybe like two, three seasons ago, maybe four seasons ago. And it was it was kind of coinciding with the uh, Stranger Things series. I think that's like what got me um, interested in it um, or, or at least alerted me to this kind of like, you know, Stranger Things was very E.T., I felt. Um, and around that time, yeah, a lot of brands were kind of exploring nostalgia and they still are, but... I was having a discussion the other day with, uh, they're a really cool uh, vintage store here. And I was talking about nostalgia and irony. Um, and they're called Varsity. And and they were talking about the kids who are going into the store. And I'm, you know, I was sort of talking about like 90s and noughties stuff and Britney Spears and all of this kind of like cheesy, nostalgic stuff. And they were like, you know what? The kids, the, the actual real kids aren't consuming it from a nostalgic point of view we're seeing it from a nostalgic nostalgic point of view they're kind of consuming it like first time around and I think that's what's so interesting about this trend you know I honestly was just like oh everyone's seeing this ironically just like I am and like you know a bit tongue-in-cheek um but the kids really are not they're like genuinely discovering something and genuinely championing something um, I think, you know, a couple of brands, I mean, Tommy Hilfiger's killing it at the moment. Um, they're really like tapping into that trend and, um, you know, really going back to the sort of like 90s heyday of their brand and doing it really, really well. Um, and but, but how long do you think this could last? I mean, and, and what do you think could potentially be the next era or decade that, that Denim really examines? Well, I mean, noughties is really happening. It's funny. I mean, it's one of these like pop will eat itself things. You know, I'm just looking back and thinking, you know, we're be- we're becoming inspired by things that were just, you know, just around the corner in the past. Um, and we're kind of catching up with ourselves. But, you know, a lot of these like key cool kids, influencers, Gen, Gen Z kids are definitely exploring noughties now. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing kind of like iron on diamantes and all of that stuff so i think i mean yes nostalgia was a key buzzword you know a couple of seasons ago and i think it's still very prevalent in the market we wrote an article about it really recently but um i think i think i'm trying to change my point of view as far as that's concerned i'm really trying to see the the trends as gen z see them and not through my kind of being there done that lens uh so yeah noughties is definitely next um and yeah i see it ironically i see it like oh god really uggs no please but um you know i'm kind of trying to trying to kind of teach myself to look at it through their lens in a kind of uh, a much more innocent and pure way um they're just getting inspired by that stuff which is really really funny to me so yeah i would say you know nostalgia is sticking sticking around um and i think that's only simply because we're looking at the past and and these kids are looking at stuff that's very very recent rather than say 1940s you know uh you know the whole heritage trend pushed this sort of uh kind of heritage um, archival um, obsession and we're certainly well out of those woods now um, and into something new and I'm excited I'm excited that we're into something new now so I don't think we could talk about millennials or gen z without really bringing up social media and the impact it has on on fashion today and you know social media it has certainly sped up you know the pace of trends 
and there could be a number of trends going on at once. As a trend forecaster, you know, how do you slow down that flood of information and how do you kind of zero in on the right stories? You know, what, what do you, how do you really focus on what's relevant? I mean, it's a really good question. It's, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think that we would be gathering the same amount of images before maybe it was like, well, we go on a certain amount of tumblers, we go on a certain amount of websites, we'd be on um, Vogue.com looking for catwalk images, whatever. Um, so we'd be looking at a bunch of different places. I wouldn't say the volume of imagery that we look at has changed very much. It's just that how we find it and how we consume it has changed. I mean, this is so boring, a weird thing, you know, it's a really weird thing to say, but the, funny enough, our hardest thing, like the hardest thing for us that's changed is, uh, you have Pinterest, for instance, right? It makes it really quick and easy to find and, and pin research images. Uh, Vogue, uh, Hypebeast, High Snobriety, these websites, um, we might be finding a lot of inspirational images on, on those websites. Um, and Pinterest compresses those images and basically you could pin something and the resolution is not as good as it is if you saved it direct from uh, the website itself. So there's stupid stuff like that. Obviously, Instagram, going through my Instagram feed, those are really small images. So actually, I would say the only thing that's changed for me is how I'm consuming these images makes it harder to find really good quality and large sized images. <laughs> and everything else is the same. It's actually, you know, it, it, it's... You, you find the common threads, you find the trends, they're always there and it's actually not that hard and it's not got harder. But just the weird practical stuff, that's what's changed, I would so, say. So you made, a, you made a good point. You know, this is, this is how you devote your time. You're obviously a sought after expert. You consult for a variety of brands. So, you know, day in and day out, you, you have your, your, your pulse on really what's, what's, what's trending. When you go in and you're, you're called in by a brand to do consulting work, what are you finding to be the brand's greatest challenges today? I think basically what, you know, the, your last question, they were overwhelmed. And, um, yeah, that's why people like me, I guess, exist. It's funny, you know, people like me didn't exist 20, 30 years ago or, or at least in smaller numbers. Um, I think, you know, no one really has the time. Designers don't have the time. You know, heads of design definitely don't have the time. Uh, maybe some more junior designers have a little bit more time on their hands. But it's it's really hard to find the time to be going through this stuff. And, um, you know, it's because our jobs have got a lot more multifaceted and there's a lot more bureaucracy and paperwork. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, of course, everything's sped up. So, you know, timelines are very, very different. So, you know, for us, it... We often get asked, um, they just literally want to make sense of, of the volume of stuff that they're seeing. Um, and also, I think the other thing is, you know, a company, like I say, like the more junior people have a little bit more time on their hands. And actually, they are closer to the culture and they're closer to the zeitgeist and they, they know what's going on, right? But they don't have the kind of experience of connecting the dots and maybe putting it together and packing, packaging it together in um, a brand-friendly uh, way, in a kind of, um, I guess, an experienced way, right? Um, what does this mean? You know, what you know, this is happening in culture. What does this mean for your brand? Because they maybe don't have the benefit of experience. And I'd say that that's where someone like uh, me comes into play because I, I'm looking at everything. I can see the common denominators and then I can package it up in a way that works for a business, not just, hey, this is a load of, cool imagery 
what do you think? You know. <laughs> so, so would you say you're 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 really curating the market, and then when you're going in house for a brand, you're kind of presenting to them the elements of what's happening in society that's relevant to them, and and figuring out what's re- what's re- relevant to their brand, and 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 how to take incorporate today's trends, tomorrow trends, and make a capsule or a collection that's going to resonate with their customer. And today, they may, they may be so overwhelmed, like your point, you could go on Instagram, and you got millions of pictures and millions of influencers. And it's it's difficult to figure out, you could sometimes lose lose sight of who you are as a brand and, and where you need to go. 100%, 100%. And I think that's what I honestly think that's the biggest challenge that a lot of brands are facing at the moment. They're losing their brand DNA. They're trying to hop on too many things. Uh, and I think, you know, for instance, with Levi's, I'm sure they won't mind me saying this, you know, we we won't like talk about everything that's happening. Um, I might be like, well, this is really, really key, but you don't have to worry about it, but you just need to know that it's happening, you know? So that's the other thing. It's like, know that this is going on in other areas of the market and know where your place is. I mean, when we first started working together, um, our very first season, um, when I was doing Bespoke for them, our first season, we talked about high-low, high-low culture. And we were looking at uh, a lot of fashion editors dressing um, at uh, the, you know, Fashion Week streets and how a lot of, um, you know, beautiful, awesome, uh, really stylish women were celebrating this kind of high-low, right? And they were they were mixing their Balenciaga jacket with a pair of 501s. And, you know, the very first time we spoke, it was about, okay, high-low co- culture's going on. We're the low in that high-low culture. And what does that mean for us? You know, so that's a good example of, like, the sort of thing that I would talk. I mean, I can talk, I can talk about that because that was probably five years ago. But, you know, that's the sort of thing that I would talk about with brands, um, you know, finding their place and knowing their place and recognizing that and then working out what they leave behind more than what they look at. And I think that's more important than anything. So how, how important do you think mills have become in the development and design process? Are, are they becoming more influential? Are they, are they taking some of the responsibility in figuring out what's trending and presenting to the brands, new fabrications, new washes, new trends? Yeah, yes and no. I think like at the end of the day, designers are very inquisitive beings. <laughs> and much as, yes, they can't keep their head above water a lot of the time because they're very busy, they are constantly consuming and looking at um, at trend. And oftentimes when I work with brands, there is often like a confirmation, you know, of, of, of what designers are already thinking, but maybe are not able to distill into a real story so because they don't have the time. Um, and so I do think a lot of creativity still comes from design and not just, you know, designers for big brands, but, you know, those designers, of course, are looking at smaller brands. They're looking at younger kids and smaller brands that are emerging. Um, and fresh ideas, honestly, I think mostly come from people who are not thinking inside the box, you know, and often they're not thinking inside the box because they don't have that knowledge. Uh, as soon as you have knowledge and capabilities of, oh, a fabric can't do that, then you almost like stop your creativity from from happening so I think that's that's one thing that's going on but at the same time I would agree that technology at the moment and especially fabric technology is such that a lot of new innovation is coming from the mill you know uh, especially when we talk about sustainability and like you know technical advances in fabric weaving and construction and finishing um that side of things 100 i think you know as far as sort of you know the 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 shape of a garment or the fact that streetwear is trending yeah that's not necessarily coming from the mills 
But, um, you know, technical in innovations certainly are, and that can influence a trend like Gorpcore, where it's all about practical outdoors gear. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't discount um, things coming from um, mills. I think it certainly, certainly happens. But I think there's also an aesthetic that does just come from culture and styling and, and kids and the way that they're, they're dressing or, or, or fresh new brands and the way that they're approaching design. But do you think that's, you know, innovation? And you, uh, like you said, some of it's technical innovation. But that's one way that mills today and factories are differentiating themselves because, you know, in a crowded market, you know, I often joke, and you know, this is not – we all say the same thing. And you walk through a trade show, it's a sea of blue, right? Yeah. So, so how do you discern, you know, who's got cutting edge, who's truly sustainable, what is really the best stretch? Or, you know, everyone's making similar claims. So is are the mills having to work a little bit harder, uh, get a little bit more creative, present, you know, not just, you know – this is a rigid fabric. This is a 98.2 fabric. You know, are they having to get work harder to get the, the same amount of business they used to get? I mean, I, 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 I don't know about, I wouldn't know figures, but I, I would, I would expect so. I think it's a really hard market at the moment. I think it's a hard market for brands. I think it's a hard market for mills. Um, I think there's an amazing amount of innovation in there. I mean, I think we'll all know if we, if, if we kind of stop and think about our kind of favorite mills or the mills that we, we know, uh, hold in high esteem um, you know they are always innovating uh, and you know for me whenever I go to you know somewhere like Kingpin's a fabric trade show and walk, walk the the um, aisles you're right it is a sea of blue and it's that either it's a you know a really particularly visual weave or it's a technical um, innovation um, it's you know it's the gimmicky stuff that kind of stops me just because I'm a kid in a sweet shop probably um, but at the same time I would say this I have worked in trend for a long time and I haven't worked in design for a while I mean yes I design little capsule collections here and there but the design it does have a certain kind of um, obligation to work on core. And if I think of a brand like Wrangler or Lee or Levi's or one of the big ones, um, you know, they are still looking for their core fabrics. But I think it's just like any brand out there at the moment. Um, the fun stuff attracts you onto the stand and then you end up selling the bread and butter, you know? Um, and I think that's, I think maybe that wasn't the case for Mills, say, 10 years ago, but I think it's the case for everyone in the market right now. People are looking for new stuff, you know, and inspiration. So talking about brands that are, you know, brands or, or designers that are catching your eyes, you know, who right now is out there that you think is is doing a good job that, that we should we should be watching? So many. Funnily enough, I was um, thinking about this earlier because um, – I mean, just sort of going through, say, my recent, you know, Kingpin's trend. There's a, ton, I mean, it's there's tons and tons of different designers inspiring me in different ways. Um, so it's kind of hard to separate them all out. I think, as far as like moving culture forward, or or, or, or brands who are kind of like doing stuff that. I think is in the, the mix or the, you know, maybe the nucleus of, of, of trend um, for various different reasons. Um, I think fear of God, everyone's looking at fear of God at the moment. Um, they recently did that, you know, beautiful shoots in, in a barn and with a lot of like um, sportswear uh, mixed in together. And I just loved it. I just think that it was a real kind of like zeitgeist for what's going on with like streetwear culture and then like American casual wear right now. Uh, so I kind of loved that. Uh, I mentioned R13 earlier as far as the sort of psychedelic tie-dye stuff is concerned. Last season was, you know, really, really beautiful. I'm looking forward to seeing their show uh, this season. Uh, and I just think 
they really are kind of denim pioneers. It's all really expensive stuff. So they kind of do some really, really crazy stuff. So from that perspective, they're really inspirational, um, you know, because they, because they, you know, can create amazing pieces. Um, Greg Lauren, love him. I mean, I wouldn't say what, it's interesting with Greg Long, because I wouldn't say what he's doing is, is been thinking outside the box of his, you know, his cachet for a few seasons. He's doing the same thing over and over again, but he's doing it, so well and with different materials and in different ways and it's so recognizably his and of course people are trying to rip him off but because he's so high-end you cannot beat what he's doing so I'm super inspired by him I wish I could buy into his stuff um so I really like him um needles from Japan love needles love the Mainly with needles, I love kind of the styling. So obviously they they do do denim pieces, they do a lot of military pieces, they do a lot of remade pieces, and then they do their famous like track suits, track pants and, and joggers and stuff like that. Um, what I really like about needles is their lookbooks, you know, and the way that they style stuff together. Um, and I think that's really interesting for trend at the moment. Um, oh, L okay, so the other thing is everything that's happening with remade. Um so, uh, you know, I think that sustainability is super important now. And I think circular economy is obviously a real buzz at the moment. And looking at, they're all smaller brands because they kind of have to be. But Bodie from New York, um, she's doing amazing stuff. B-Sides, um, there's, there's this dude uh, who has a little uh, brand called Petimento Shop. Um, and they're all kind of like, we're going to write something about it quite soon about like um, new American crafts, really. All of these guys who are kind of like making things by hand or upcycling old vintage fabrics and, um, you know, not creating anything new, for, you know, that's brand new, creating new from old. So I think they're all worth looking at. The, the, the problem with all of that stuff is how do you scale it? Um, that's obviously a big issue because, you know, you see all of these young brands and they're super inspiring and, you know, Maurizio from Atelier Repair is killing it. But yeah, how do you scale? Um, but yeah, there's, that's a few of the stuff that, uh, a few of the things that I'm interested in. Um, so let's, let's, I don't want to put you on the spot, but let's, uh -oh. let's flip the question. And mm -hmm. if you're not comfortable naming any brands, maybe you could just talk to trends. You know, mm -hmm. are you tired of seeing any denim brands or any mills or is there, is there any trends out there that you think that are getting a little stale? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, difficult question because I, I guess right now I think you've got to be bold and you've got to really stand for something and experiment and and basically fear that fear does not work in this is this current environment, does it? So I think there are brands and I obviously I don't think I could really mention them because you know. What if I want to work with them? Um, and also, of course... I have to ask. I didn't expect you to answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's the other thing. It's like, they'd probably be the sort of brands that I'd be most interested in working with because, you know, it'd be great to turn that around, that attitude. But it's fear. It's like, I think it's fear and it's looking backwards and it's like, oh, this worked before. And it's like, guys, we live in a completely different world. I feel like, I mean, I'm getting old now. Um, I feel like the last two years... Things have changed uncomfortably. You know, it, it's it's just speeding up and it's faster and faster. And uh, the guys say, I'm going to be awful here, but say you've got like a guy who's say in his 50s or whatever and he's working for a big corporation and he's like, well, this Generation Z, you know, well, they're not everything, are they? What about the baby boomers? It's like, okay, fine, I agree. that, that That's a market. We shouldn't ignore it. But 
food culture is changing and it's going to pull the rug from under you if you do not catch up. And, and I think, you know, designers and, um, you know, creative people are generally, you know, quite inquisitive. I'm excited by that stuff. The stuff that makes me feel uncomfortable and out of depth. I'm like, Oh God, you know, they're catching up on me. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel overwhelmed. That's the, that's the stuff. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. So I'll say stuff. That's the stuff that I am most drawn to and most interested in. And I think if brands don't have that attitude, then I mean, I don't want to have to say goodbye to certain brands, but it's going to happen. It's, if they nat- don't keep it's, up. it's natural selection. It is. And it's sad. You know, there are a lot of brands out there who've been going for a long time. But it, I think, you know, they need to shake up. I mean, I hate to, I, I know that Levi's are one of my clients and I don't want to like blow smoke up their ass. But um, they're a good example of in the last five years, they did it. You know, um, there was that big shake up. 800 people lost their jobs. Uh, a lot of senior management went. It wasn't just, you know, the minions. There were a lot of senior management. Um, and it was... I heard, you know, it was because it, it, it was people who were who didn't sound like they were moving with the times and moving forward and they weren't inquisitive. And I think the whole kind of team and how it's changed in, you know, um, from the CEO down um, is, is probably what attributes to a lot of uh, their success in the last five years. But, but they're, they also, have, they're also an anomaly. You know, how many brands have, have that heritage, that that type of staying power? And also have can sell, you know, literally for, uh, you know, three, four, five different uh, tiers of price points. I mean, they yeah. really are. They are lucky. <laughs> you know, maybe them and Nike are the only brands in the world that you could find at a at a mass market uh, retailer and also at a super luxury retailer. So they're they're so true. They're, that's they're really uh, very unique. But also, I would say this. Um, Maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they, they, I think, you know, with Levi's um, and, and Nike, both of them, their, their success stories are they have been clever enough to tap that. I mean, there are other brands who could and maybe haven't, um, not going to mention any names, but I think um, they have been clever enough to see that the market is doing a lot of crazy stuff at the moment. And like, if, if you, if you don't, um, move with that and and take advantage of those changes then you do get left behind um and i think those two brands that you mentioned have been have maneuvered in the last 10 years or five years really really well but you're right they've got that heritage and that like they they're starting they are starting from a place uh that is way ahead of everyone else and they're very lucky um, well, we see brands that are that old that also have lost their their cachet you know they not exactly brand not everyone is able to reskill and and yeah. themselves as individuals and also there's a tremendous tremendous amount of r and d that these these companies are willing to invest um and that's what keeps them innovative and keeps them fresh and unique. And yes, not every they go through highs and lows. Not everything's a hit, but it's it's that willing to take risks that I think keeps them fresh. Hundred percent agreed, agreed. And yeah, like you say, there are are equivalent brands, maybe not of the scale, but equivalent brands who could have been doing that who weren't um, and who are struggling. So, just want to end with with two personal questions, really quick. Um, obviously know you're from the UK, but when did he move out to LA? I've been here for three years and it was my uh, three-year anniversary a couple of weeks ago, I just realized. So um, yeah, it's it, I love I love being here, although I am looking out on a cloudy sky right now, which is very un-LA. And, and do you think being in LA versus UK has changed your perception of the denim market? Yeah, well, 
Yeah, in a way, I think um, it's changed. I guess, I mean, I love my life out here. Um, and I think what's interesting is I'm a very casual, wear focused person, obviously working in Denham. And this is a very casual city. And we often talk about this, you know, the culture out in LA that you can just you know, go to a restaurant um, dressed in, you know, very, very casual attire. And I know that's, I know to a certain extent that is the same everywhere these days. But I felt like in London, in New York, in Paris, there's something about those cities that's just chicer and there's something here that's very kind of very casual, very, uh, a little bit bohemian and super vintage inspired, you know, that's, it's so the whole culture here and the whole, you know, um, social, the social groups, you know, it's all kind of, for me anyway, it's, it revolves around this whole vintage scene. Um, and, and what's interesting is, you know, when I lived in England, I would come out here and I would spend money on vintage and I would get like absolute FOMO. Um, I would go to a, say a vintage show and I would be like, I've got to buy everything. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, I'd have panics. And I would go to, to whenever I visit say Tokyo, I would end up buying a lot of vintage from Tokyo because a lot of those dealers are coming to LA and buying. So I'd be buying, you know, essentially West coast vintage, but in Tokyo and now, you know, I'm just surrounded by it. So I'm, um, I'm very lucky. I feel very blessed about that. Um, so, yeah, the culture is just super casual here. So I wouldn't say, um, you know, we're all still looking at the same stuff. And thank goodness for, you know, for the Internet and for, um, for Instagram and stuff like that. Because I don't think that LA is the fastest as far as trend is concerned. Um, I'd actually say it's one of the slowest. Um, but we we do have this very kind of like vintage um, centric market out here and access to a lot of great inspirational garments. And that has changed for sure. That's changed the way I work and what I look at and, and what I can access as well. So Amy, um, another question, maybe you won't answer, but I'm going to end on this. Uh, <laughs> now you got a couple books under your belt. Um, mm. big fans of them. Uh, anything else in the works that we should be looking out for? Oh yeah, I can, I can tell you, I'm not scared of telling you this. I mean, they always take a long time. So the one thing I'd say, spoiler alert, it'll be at least three years probably, but my next one, I mean, I don't know working title denim dens or denim domains. What I'm looking at, um, is interiors basically. So I'm looking at, um, design studios, uh, homes, you know, of, of crazy collectors, vintage dealers and their hordes. Um, I'm looking at um, stores um, and that's going to be really hard. I'm probably going to have to keep it to like a top eight or top 10 stores. Um, and then also, you know, factories, I'm going to do a couple of manufacturers, a couple of um, mills maybe. Um, and so it's all about kind of, so I'm, it's a different thing. I'm working with an interior photographer and I, I mean, I'll work with a couple, but in the moment I'm specifically working with one based in LA. We're, we're, we shot the Lee archives um, in December because obviously they're moving them to Greensboro. So we went in there and shot that um, in anticipation of them taking it all away. Um, so we have started tentatively. Uh, and the other thing that I think I'm probably going to do, um, which I think will add a nice narrative, is to actually arrange it um, in a chronological order of the way in which, uh, you know, the dinner process happens. So maybe start at a cotton farm and I'm going to end in a recycling plant. That's the idea. So it's going to show the whole lifestyle and life cycle of a gene um, through its collectors and its obsessives. Uh, so yeah, that's the idea. Uh, and we have started shooting, but yeah, it'll, it'll be a couple of years in, in the making because I, 
you know, the books, books don't really make any money these days. They're my hobby. They're my passion. Um, and I love doing them, but, um, I'm not doing it for the money. Therefore it's sort of something I have to do in my spare time. So that's why they take quite a long time. Well, I look forward to, uh, to seeing it, even if it takes a few years. <laughs> um, so anyway, Amy, I really want to thank you for, for taking the time to be with us today. Um, and, uh, we will definitely, uh, stay in touch we'd love to have you back again to talk about you know 2020 2021 actually as we start looking at the the trends that are happening it's going to be sooner than later before we start that that conversation starts coming up so yeah the uh, future (laughs) yeah i know it's crazy so appreciate appreciate the time and look forward to having you back sure i really enjoyed it thank you so much all right bye